My name's Adele Onyango and welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless. No, seriously, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. Hey you, welcome to episode 142 of Legally Clueless. I know I sound a bit different. (laughs) I'm coming to you from my hotel room in Zimbabwe and I have like made a makeshift studio, which means I'm in complete darkness, even though it's 2 p.m., drew all my curtains, closed all the doors. I have the heaviest blanket over me, just trying to get the best sound quality for you. (sighs) Let's see how this goes. Anyway, reason I'm in Zimbabwe, I came for an international conference on African cultures. It's the third one. I think it's very important for me to be here, very important for the podcast to be here. We're shooting a podcast episode here, so that's fun. But I will tell you more about that when I'm back home to like my proper studio setup. (laughs) Because it's so hot under this blanket, my God. (laughs) I'm dying. Oh, my days. Anyway, this trip, though, what I will tell you has been quite something. I'll get to that in a bit. But first, make sure you check out our video series on our YouTube channel. That's Legally Clueless. There's a link to it in the show notes. Season two of our video series has begun. Episode two went out and features Bright Gameli, who is one of Africa's most celebrated cybersecurity gurus. I also went to school with him. He's such an all-round fantastic guy. And I think it's it's a story that you definitely need to check out. So there's a link in the show notes. Make sure you go watch it. Also, if you're new here, you can join our online community on Instagram. We're at Legally Clueless Podcast. A link is in the show notes as well. If your preferred social media poison is Twitter and you want to chit chat about the podcast there, just use the hashtag Legally Clueless. Okay, this is what's coming up in this episode. So I worked there for a year and a half until around August 2019 when I finally decided to quit. And I'm saying finally because for about three months, I was, you know, still balancing out, trying to see, should I quit? Should I not? I think I had written my resignation letter even two months prior. I think when you're young, you always feel like you owe your employer something. This was my first official job, like other than one million internships. So, of course, everyone is looking at you like, you children of nowadays, you feel so entitled. You know, why are you quitting and you don't have another job? Wait until you get a a new job and then you quit. I don't know, I'm not getting clients. You know, like, what's happening? And, of course, when you're in your bed, in your blankets, you start wondering, hmm, was it the right decision to quit my job? So, 2020 was wonderful. Still going on with Cortex, January, February, then March. Knock, knock. COVID hit. So the client was like, let's pause on the project. That story was actually recorded during our tour in August. It was recorded in Nairobi. I really connected with it around quitting of jobs, but we're going to get to it in a bit. It's a story by Melanie. However, I don't want to speak for too long because I'm going to pass out under this blanket, but... What I do want to share is something that I've experienced during this trip. I did have a hectic grief situation. I always have a book that I read during my trips. And the book I was reading this trip is Chimamanda's Grief Notes or Notes on Grief. I don't remember the title. Anyway, she's writing about losing her dad during the pandemic. 
that I think it was last year. Anyway, I connected so much with everything she was saying. I was reading it on the flight to Zimbabwe, reading it a bit in the hotel. I just had a huge connection with everything she was writing. I'd never seen someone describe a grief that so closely resembled mine. So I connected with that and... (laughs) It led into a complete trigger because I gave my speech at the conference. It went really well. And you know, in those moments, you just want to call one person and that was my mom. And I didn't realize the trigger had set in then. And then a little later in the evening, a friend that I made here commented about how her mom had called her to, I don't know, called her about something. And again, in the moment, I didn't realize that my mind was like connecting all of these things. Like, okay, you wished you could have called your mom. Someone's just gotten a call from their mom. And that evening was just not so nice for me. And a bit of the next day and the day after that. (laughs) But I think this leads to my gratitude list this week. Yes, even under this huge blanket, I'm going to share my gratitude list, which is the ability to feel. I think I've said that before, where I truly believe only the courageous feel emotions and and the act of feeling is a strong act. So I'm proud of myself and grateful to myself for having that ability and an ability that I've always and still struggle with is the ability to ask for help when I feel low. I struggle with that. I don't like people, because I cry a lot, I don't like people seeing that. I, I worry that they'll think I'm shattered. And so I tend to pile on things and pile on things until shit hits the fun, which has not ended very well for me in the past, and it's something that I'm currently working on. So I'm grateful that in this moment of like my grief in Harare, <laughs> as much as I traveled with one of my closest friends and I really wanted to open up but like I don't know if I'm the only one who battles that I just you know but I did end up like chatting an aunt of mine well she chatted me and I just was like oh my god I'm missing mommy so much right now and I just feel like I'm losing my mind and I just felt a loneliness that was so heavy it was just so so heavy I mean I feel the loneliness throughout but there was something about this time around it was heavy I feel like I could even like feel it you know it was like dense and dark and just heavy and so navigating that at least I can find things to be grateful for which is I felt the emotions and I was able to at least tell one person that I wasn't feeling like I'm okay but then I also got to see Victoria Falls which was such a cleansing experience I'll get into that when I'm back home because honestly I'm gonna pass out under this (laughs) under this blanket I wish you could see me the things we do for our podcasts. So I'm not going to share song of the week this week because blanket, but (laughs) so funny. But the story, as you heard earlier, is quite interesting. We recorded it during our tour in August. Melanie reached out and because of what I experienced quitting my job, whenever somebody says, oh, I have a story about quitting a job, I'm so drawn to it because I'm just like, was I the only one who panicked for three to four years or is this a normal thing, you know? And so Melanie came through and shared her sweet and short story of quitting her job, first proper paying job, and then the pandemic hit. A hundred African stories on Legally Clueless. Stories from Africa. So my name is Melanie Hapisu. I am from Nairobi, Kenya. So I worked at a marketing agency as their digital marketing lead. Um, So basically what that means is they didn't have anyone else in the digital marketing department. So I came in and just started off digital for them as a company. And eventually it grew. 
and they started offering it as a service. So initially it was just marketing the company, then it grew, you know, and they started offering it as a service to other companies. So this company was called Eyes on Africa here in Nairobi. Nice, innovative marketing agency, something I had not seen before, considering I had a background in IT. So IT and marketing just seemed so exciting. And so that was my first job, and I loved it with my whole heart. So I worked there for a year and a half until around August 2019, when I finally decided to quit. And I'm saying finally because for about three months, I was, you know, still balancing out, trying to see, should I quit, should I not? You know, of course, lots of reasons behind it. In summary, big dreams. <laughs> big dreams. I don't know how else to describe it, big dreams. I think I, I remember the day I resigned as if it was yesterday. Because, like I said, it took such a long time. I think I had written my resignation letter even two months prior. You know, ran it by my parents. Just African home, checking in <laughs> if everything is okay. Yet I was still living at home. And I remember the day I finally... I thought to talk to my boss first, rather than, surprise, I'm quitting, you know, so I thought to talk to him first. I remember it was one early morning, and me just walking up to his office to tell him I needed to talk to him. The first question he asked me was, is it time? And I was just like, oh no, he knew what I was about to say. So, I mean, it was so scary, and I think when you're young, you always feel like you owe your employer something. So it always feels like a crime to leave your job. It feels like you're going to offend them and there were lots of things that I, I really had to think about emotionally in terms of not just hurting my boss by me leaving but even in terms of you know how you get used to people in the workplace and you kind of become tight and then I had a few people I was working with some a little bit under me so you're like are people going to quit after I leave? Is the team going to break down? Yeah, so it, it was pretty scary. It was so scary. I think lots of emotions really ran through. At some point, even during the conversation, I actually had balancing tears because I was like, wait, what am I doing to this man? You know, then you see someone responding to what you're saying and you're like, maybe I should just say it was a joke. <laughs> And yet it's not. Wow. Number one fear, was it the right decision? This was my first official job. Like other than one million internships, this was my first official job. And so for me, one of the biggest fear was, is it the right decision? Like how do I start explaining to people? It's okay. My parents understood. I made them understand. And growing up, they've known that this is the kind of person I am. You know, when my goal is achieved... Let's move to the next one. That's if we can't get a new goal in my current space. So actually, that's what happened. I tried to get a new goal, and I felt like I, I had outgrown the role. So I thought, what else can I do? You know, and looked for something else. So of course, there was no job. I quit not knowing where I'd go. In fact, to make myself feel better, I used to tell people, I'm going to work with my mom, <laughs> you know, because my mom had a business. And yet in my head, I was just like, okay, that's an option, but she does something totally different. And so definitely fear of wondering if it was the right decision to quit my job. Number two, I didn't have bills then, but I had simple things I needed to do, like buying myself airtime, fueling my car, you know, small things like that. And I was like, okay. What next? Do we now go back to saying, okay, dad, I don't have money for fuel, and he's looking at you like, mm -hmm, you quit your job. <laughs> Who told you to quit? So, yeah, there was that fear, and then, honestly, just judgment from society. Because then, currently, I'm just 25, so by the time I was quitting, I was just getting into 24. So, of course, everyone is looking at you like, you children of nowadays, you feel so entitled. You know, why are you quitting and you don't have another job? Wait until you get a, a new job and then you quit. So those are some of the things that were really 
making me feel afraid after. Honestly, no plan. First thing that came to my mind was freedom. <laughs> you know, no offense to anyone who has an eight to five job, but sometimes, especially when you get to like your expiry date, you know, when you don't like your job anymore, you feel like you're in prison, you don't want to go to work, your day feels so long. So I had gotten to that point that I just needed a break. So the first thing I did was I just paused life. <laughs> and I was like, mm -mm, let's just take a break. Let's just live life. So I sat and did nothing for, <laughs> for I think, a month. And then after a month, that's when I was like, wow, what next? <laughs> you know, what next? And I really, really thank God for my folks because at, at no point did they ask me what next. I mean, um, there were fears of, okay, you've quit your job. Are you sure? You know, even after quitting. Uh, but at no point was there a rush to look for another job or look for something to do. And I'm so glad that I was still at home. So there were no bills. You know, I was stress-free. <laughs> so, I mean, immediately after now, the one month of chilling, then I finally decided, okay, it's time to pick yourself up. Let's see what you can do. So, of course, being in digital marketing, it wouldn't be too hard to get freelancing jobs. So I started looking for clients, of course, Coming from an agency background, then the clients were being looked for for me. <laughs> so that was tough in itself. So I started, you know, telling my folks the plan, like, I just want to serve clients. And at that time, I now knew I wanted to work with smaller businesses because part of the reason that I left was there were businesses that we could have impacted greatly with our work but they couldn't afford the agency. So I thought, that's a good starting point, you know. And so I started looking for clients through my mom. So she's a business owner. She knows other business owners. Why not? So one introduction to a friend, to another, and that's how I got uh, my first client. So actually, my first client was my mom's friend, who trusted me enough. You know, sometimes I tell people, just talk. You know, people will believe you, even if you don't know what you're saying. Just act confident. This lady actually believed in me, and uh, the fact that, of course, I had an agency job before made her trust me some more. So I did some work for her for two weeks, and then after the two weeks, she then talked about me to somebody else who recommended me to another person. And then I landed Cortex as a client. And honestly, it was the best thing ever. I remember as soon as, you know, sometimes clients don't want to disclose things in advance. So I met the lady from Cortex and, you know, she's like, oh, we have this project, ladies, you know, it's starting to sound familiar. I'm like, mm -hmm. this sounds like, you know, Cortex. But in my head, I'm like, no, 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 you know, it can't be. So as soon as she said Cortex, I was just like, Whoa inside <laughs> you know <laughs> manage your face so it was so exciting you know especially because I was like this is not a, a kind of client I thought I could get on my own mm -hmm. yes it was a recommendation but just for the person to read my portfolio and feel like I can trust this girl was so big for me of course I've told you big dreams so of course big dreams kind of comes with overconfidence so for me I knew okay I'm gonna tell this person I'm Melanie I do digital marketing I can do magic for your brand. And they're like, yes, yes. So I didn't directly get no's, but I got lots of, we don't have budget, of we'll get back to you in a few months, of those kind of things. So honestly, it really was so discouraging. And then because I wasn't the one looking for clients before when I was working for someone, I didn't know that those things happen. You know, I thought if you don't talk to me, just say no. Like, why are we going around the bush? So for me, it was all new and so strange. I remember I really used to tell, I'm very close to my mom, so I used to tell her very often that, I don't know, I'm not getting clients, you know, like what's happening? And of course, when you're in your bed, in your blankets, you start wondering, hmm, 
was it the right decision to quit my job you know and i mean not even at the pride of not wanting to ever go back but just you know that you want to see yourself do something especially if you had dreamed about it for me then that motivated me to work harder so i was like you know what if i get 10 no's today tomorrow i'm going to pitch to 20 companies you know let's see how many no's i'm going to get yeah so it felt a little discouraging but i always tried to push myself out of it so 2020 was wonderful Still going on with Cortex, January, February, then March. Knock, knock, COVID hit. And of course, me and those people who thought COVID would be here for like two minutes and go away. Shock. So I remember as soon as COVID hit, by then Cortex was doing campaigns in unis. So we were physically going to different universities. So of course, physical contact. X. So the client was like, let's pause on the project. And of course, for me, thinking that COVID is here for two minutes, I was like, yeah, like next month, we'll be back. So honestly, I sat comfortably waiting to see where COVID will go. Then I think at the end of March, when um, the government started telling Paul to start working from home, you know, encouraging Paul to work from home, then reality started to sink in because I'm like, okay, it's been a month, you know, somehow. Why are we still at home? Why is the thing still increasing? So I remember as soon as people now started working from home, uh, now my clients, the, the other smaller businesses I had because I'd helped my mom's friends, you know, they'd recommend like that. But my biggest client then was Cortex. That was majority of the work. So the other small businesses I had then also woke up after that one month and they were like, you know what? We don't know this thing and uh, we don't know how long it's going to be here. It's a pandemic. So... We can't continue spending money and we don't know when the next money is coming. So let's put the projects on hold, you know. And you know when someone tells you put the projects on hold, you feel like you're kind of sure it will come back. So all my clients are like, let's put the, the budget on hold. Let's put the project on hold. Let's do this. Yeah. So before I knew it, there was no client to serve because no one wanted to spend money. Yeah. Of course, then people were now, okay, if we do ads, who is seeing them? You know, things like that. And I'm like, everyone's at home. They're probably on their phones, their computers, but people are just not ready to spend. So just like that, I remember I had about um, four very small businesses I was serving then, and then now Cortex, all of them just went like that. So of course, back to when I quit my job, <laughs> you know? Uh, I remember for the first few weeks of COVID, and I would not shed it for anything. Me and my family were just watching movies, playing board games, that's all we do. We even used to have timetables for every day. Like, today we're going to be playing this tomorrow. And I felt nothing. I was just like, this is another break. Let's just take it. So I remember when April began and I realized, okay, people are at home. Um, what next? What exactly can I do around this space? So I thought, okay, um, one of the dreams I had when I was quitting my job was to train people when it comes to digital marketing. Because then, like I told you, I wanted to serve small businesses. Some could not afford to pay me on a monthly basis, but could afford to pay for a training and then learn how to do it on their own. So I started training. So I remember uh, my first class, I advertised for about a month. You know, week one, week two, no sign-ups. And you're like, whoa, <laughs> here I was thinking I'm a trainer. Week three, week four, finally people said um, signing up. So I remember the first few students I had, one was my mom. <laughs> I know. That was my first sign up, my mom. And then I had uh, a few people who discovered me from Twitter. So I'm really active on Twitter and LinkedIn. So a few people discovered on Twitter and on LinkedIn and you know, they just felt like they should trust me. So of course I had never trained before. Yeah, 
<laughs> I had never trained before. So thank God it was online because of COVID. So I remember I had planned not to put on my video. But then I thought about it and said, if someone, if I was meeting someone for the first time on Zoom or any other platform, would it be fair for me not to put on my video, for them not to put on their video? So I gained the confidence, put on my video, and hi guys, welcome to my master class. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm a trainer. I have dash dash experience. So of course, thank God, with the work experience, it wasn't like I was starting from scratch. And I'm not really shy, but I feel like everyone has butterflies a little bit, you know, when you're talking to people, whether it's in person or online. So had my first training, went well, and that was the beginning of me being a trainer. Just those few people believing in me during a pandemic when they were working from home, had a lot of time in their hands. I remember the first training was evenings. So after work, in fact, they were really looking forward to evening because you work, you finish, and then there's like no more work. So the class would be something they would look forward to. So yeah, that's what happened through um, 2020. Uh, I trained. Of course, then as as time went by, I think towards half the year, then uh, people realized, okay, this thing is here. We have to deal with it. You know, I remember when, when lockdown was lifted, I think that was around September, because I remember it was slightly before my birthday. And when lockdown was lifted, then businesses now started coming back. So some of the small business owners, I had two of them came back and they were like, you know what, let's start working together. So that was September. Of course, then uh, again, thank God I have no bills. So there was no rush. You know, it was like, okay, if a client comes, fine. But the trainings were still going on on a monthly basis once and people were signing up so it was more of my friend took your training they referred me you know and i'd have trainings i mean towards the end of 2020 more like october then i started to get serious i was like mm -mm. now people are making money out there <laughs> me i'm not making money so i went back to the drawing board started looking for clients and I remember, you know, those people who told you, we'll get back to you, um, their companies I'd written to, their proposals I had shared. So I followed up with one company. And they were like, oh, it's even good you reached out. We've been looking for you. We just couldn't remember your second name. So I was like, oh, wow, this is good. So they gave me a, another proposal to do. I did it. And after like two weeks, they're like, you have the job. So started working on the, on the campaign for the client. It was a new company just coming into the market. They wanted to create awareness through social media and digital ads. So went in, did the campaign about two weeks. They were so happy, referred another client. Honestly, these are bigger brands than I was handling before. So you can imagine already, you're like, oh my God, this guy you know so the other company that was referred again big client and they had a conference they were marketing from october to 2021 april my longest contract <laughs> my first time you know so already there was more reasons to celebrate so in the process of you know talking about okay how are we going to do this let's sign contracts everything they were like so uh, please send us your business registration your what 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 and i'm like well, um, I work as an individual. I don't have a business. So at that point, I thought, okay, this is going to cancel me. Mm -hmm. And they were like, um, register one. So of course you want the job, but you're like, am I really ready? <laughs> you know, like, okay, that was the goal, but not yet. It's come quickly. So I remember I took some time to think about it. And uh, by then I remember my dad. So my dad, eh, 
I really have a lot to thank my dad for because he, he really used to push me and tell me, register your business. You have clients now, register. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, I'll register. You know, just that fear of, of coming with something permanent, a business that is. So I remember in, uh, towards the beginning of November, I was now ready to register my business. Of course, no name. <laughs> and you're just like, okay. So dad, mom, I'm ready, but no name. Aki, I looked for names. Hey, hey, anyone out there looking to register a business, it's not a joke. I look for names. All names I put up on the e-citizen system for registering a business, taken, taken, taken. All of them. So I now started involving people. You know, like, what do you think I should call my company? (laughs) And then because I do digital, I'm looking for digi something. (laughs) So I'm like, digi something. It was so hard. It was. I remember we brainstormed with my folks. Everything was not available. Then one day, I think it was my mom, she just she was like, what about DigiPath? Then I was like, yeah, DigiPath. Mm-hmm. And it made sense because then I'm training people, trying to show them the ways. I'm also doing the same thing for companies as I execute their campaigns. So I was like, looks good. So DigiPath Kenya, DigiPath Africa, now another struggle because already DigiPath Kenya was taken. So I'm like, okay. First, my mom was like, DigiPath International. And I'm like, uh-uh, I don't want that pressure. You know, the pressure that comes with the word international, you're like, mm-mm, no, 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 no. So finally, landed on Africa. Of course, felt really good because then I'm from Kenya, uh, Nairobi specifically, and it felt nice. It felt correct. And it aligned with some of the goals I had because then I remember even when I quit my job, one of the goals was to get clients within East Africa. So this was a little bit bigger because it was Africa. And I was like, why not? Let's take the challenge. So just like that, put in the name, it was available, registered my business, I remember it was like 8 p.m., and got my certificate, I think within 24 hours, and that's how I became a business owner, <laughs> thanks to a client. So it's been, oh gosh, looking back, it feels so good. Honestly, I know there are many people who have experienced probably a low, especially when the pandemic came, and in case you're listening to this, Honestly, it gets better. If you have to move back to your parents' house, go. There's no embarrassment at all. Personally, I was still in my parents' house, so at least I had, you know, something to fall back on. If you have to move in with a friend, if you have to cut your costs, do it. But always try and think, what else can you do? For me previously, I didn't see any other way to do digital marketing other than implementing campaigns for clients. So training had never come to mind. You know, creating content for clients and letting them execute on their own had never come to mind. You know, so try and adjust according to the environment because right now the world is changing really fast. It's not just the pandemic that has made things change. For me right now, I know very soon probably DigiPath won't exist forever simply because there'll be lots of softwares to probably post content, create the content. In fact, the other day I bumped into a tool that creates content for you, and I was just like, wow, I'm about to lose clients on that side. You know, so always adjust um, accordingly, depending on what's going on. Don't give up. It's okay to be down. Get down, pick up yourself after some time, and try your best to create magic out of the little you have. That's all that matters. Catch more African stories in the next episode of Legally Clueless. I hope you enjoyed that story by Melanie. You know what? If, if, if you connect with that whole quitting of your job, 
either before or even during the pandemic because I do know the pandemic shifted a lot for people. I do know of a couple of people who their priorities shifted. They understood just how fleeting life is and were like, I know it's a pandemic, but I'm in this job that I hate or that's stifling me and I'm leaving. So if you, I'd love to hear those stories actually. Yeah, I would. I really would. If that's your story, please do reach out. In the show notes, there is a form you can fill. If you want to share a story, just fill that form and I'll get back to you. Also, do remember that, oh, is that someone in the next room has gone to the bathroom, I think. And Roy's in the next room, so maybe it's him. I hope you guys can't hear. Not like, oh my God, not his sounds in the bathroom, like the flashing. Oh my God, I hope he doesn't listen to this episode. Do remember that this podcast plays on Trace Radio in Kenya every Monday, Wednesday at 12 noon and 11 p.m. and every Friday at 12 noon. Our audio episodes got every single Monday and we have our video series season two of it currently going out every Friday on our YouTube channel. There's a link to it in the show notes. Make sure you check it out. I have to send a big shout out to our YouTube family that is steadily growing. Like the number of comments, views and stuff that we get is just out of this world. And from different countries, I think I just responded to somebody who came across the channel from South Africa and I was just like, what? This is so awesome. We're really like bringing Africans together through their stories. It's just so dope. It brings me so much joy. Yeah, so make sure you check out our YouTube channel. I may have to end this episode here because first, my makeshift studio is falling apart. (laughs) Oh, let me pull this blanket. This blanket. Yeah, it's falling apart. And then I also want to follow up on a few developments around COVID because apparently there is a new strain in South Africa and Botswana and the whole world is doing what they do to African countries. When those strains come up, immediately start putting blockades. So I just need to know what that means for me in Zimbabwe trying to get back home to Kenya and potentially leaving Kenya the next day after I land to go back to Paris. I don't know what that means for me. Let me tell you, traveling during COVID times is just such a science. And no, let me change that. Traveling during COVID times as an African way from Africa. It's tricks. You get to really understand how the world has so much disrespect for us. And that's really part of, that was part of my speech that I gave here at this conference I attended, the International Conference on African Cultures. We're seeing it even with COVID. So as my makeshift studio is falling apart, I need to also do that research just to see, am I going to be stuck here? Which is not a bad thing. I really like Harare or am I going to be okay to go back home? Hmm. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode to the very end. I show you the next episode. I shall be in my home studio, not about to pass out from the blanket over my head. But yeah, tons of love from me to you. And if like me, you're navigating grief, no matter how many years it's been. I think just be graceful with yourself. Go out to nature. Being at Vic Falls really did something for me. Yeah, but extend some grace your way. Grief is is tricky. It's tricky to navigate. I don't think we can ever master it. So don't feel or look down on yourself just because it feels like you're struggling. Grief is one heck of a ride. That's it for this episode of Legally Clueless. You can share this podcast with your friends. You can keep it for yourself. I'm not judging. Just make sure you're here next week for the next episode.